Hey folks, welcome back to Can't Make It Up Podcast. You cannot make it up, baby. No, 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 you can't. I'm the chief. To my left there is Super Doc. And I want to send a shout out to our sponsors this morning. Taylor Beer Company at 102 North Main in Taylor, Texas. That's where the historic tap room is found. Yeah, yeah. The Texas Beer Company. I always call it the Taylor Beer Company. I'm not Texas. sure why. Beer Company, baby. Yep, Texas Beer Company, and we are actually uh, enjoying a, pop that open, Doc. There you go. A strawberry chocolate stout from the Texas Beer Company this morning. Myself, old Super Doc, and our esteemed guest, who we'll introduce in, in just a minute. But So I'm going to walk you into this introduction of our, our guest today, Super Doc. I'm going to let you introduce him, but we're scheduled to go 10 rounds this morning. I'm, but I'm not sure you can hang in there 10 rounds with this fella. I'm pretty sure I'm about a quarter of a round. <laughs> so we're scheduled for 10. We're, we're going to see how long you can keep the gloves up. But uh, I've been known to drop them pretty fast a few times. <laughs> and he's pretty intimidating. Yeah. You know, I was at the gym working out a couple of days ago one morning. He came in and early in the morning, about 5 o'clock, and hit the steps, went upstairs, and I'm on the treadmill walking. And he, I could see him up on the second level, and he's shadow boxing. You were telling about this. It, it was intimidating to watch the moves and just the I, – I thought, good Lord, I'd hate to have that guy, this guy ever coming after me, man, because I'm, I'm like, shit, this is intimidating. Watching a professional uh, athlete do his thing, so to speak, and everybody's wondering, who in the heck are they going to talk to today? <laughs> well, we have built up the anticipation. So we went to California, then we went to Taylor, Texas, and now, by way of Milano, Texas, we got the cowboy, the Ryan cowboy. Carl, in the studio with us today, man. Welcome. Hey, man. How's it going? Appreciate y'all having me. Cowboy, it's good to see you. And... uh you know, if old Super Doc would have planned these headphones better, he might could have got some headphones that would allow you to wear your, your hat. I'm telling you, man. I was wondering. I, I almost didn't even yep. just, I almost just left. So that black hat you rolled up in there, that's your trademark. Yes, sir. Uh, is that the same hat you wear into the ring when you're going to fight? Yes, sir. I wear it all the time. That's uh, resist all? What is no, that? It's a, it's a Bailey's 100X. Oh, Nice. That's a nice one. Yeah, I've had it for a while. I like it a lot. Yep. Treated me well so far. That's, it has. I agree. Yeah. And that's a that's a uh, that's a good looking hat, man. It is yeah. a good looking hat. We should have wore our hats. We should have, Doc. So I got a ten X. Yeah, Doc. Oh, cheapo over there. Oh, cheapy over here. <laughs> oh, he man. he outdid me a little bit. He's wearing sporting around one of those hundred X uh, beavers. Also. Yep. Yep. And just got it, love it. Me and my son both got one for Christmas, and uh, got it, got it a couple weeks ago, man. Love man, it. I like it, man. I love it. You know, I always had a, you know, this is the first thing I've had better than a 10x. To be honest with you, really, I like it a lot. There's really a big like difference, it a isn't it? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Huge difference. I got a resist all 20x, or I think it's a 30x actually at home. It's a silver belly. I like it a lot too, but I just can't hardly stay away from the black. You know, it's just yeah. hard for me to stay off that black. Yeah, there you go. Is that the is that the bad guy coming out in you with the black? I don't know. Or? I don't know, man. It might be just just like the black. Just huh? like the black man in black. I guess uh, man in black. There's a lot to be said about the man in black. <laughs> That's, That's right. A fact. 
So let's let's kind of go back to your childhood where you where you uh, grew up and uh, and kind of walk everybody through how you got to to be a boxer from Milano, Texas. Hey man, sounds good. You know, I started boxing when I was 11 years old. Uh, I grew up in the in the Central Texas area. You know, I was born in Brenham, uh, raised right here in Milano and Cameron, and back to Milano after our house burned down. Uh, my mom, my dad taught us how to fight. The first thing I remember as a child growing up was my, my father teaching me how to fight and how to defend myself. And then, uh, of course, my mother finding the boxing gym in Waco <coughs> Boxing Club for us to go to. And Gilbert Sanchez and uh, was the coach at the time at the Waco Boxing Club on 9th Street. And uh, we started boxing there. And my, me and my brother, my brother, he's about five years older than me, four and a half, five years older than me. So he's about 16 and I was 11. And Ronnie was into into girls and hanging out and partying, you know, like most teenagers were. And I was 11, I just, I just like to fight. I like to, I like to have sports and do things like that, and individual sports especially for some reason. And so I stuck with it and I fell in love with it. And Ronnie kind of fell out of it. He could really fight, but he kind of fell out of it. So, so I, I watched you grow up in your fighting career through the Rockdale Reporter. Mm -hmm. Man, they showcased you from a very young age. Uh, with your fights and with your early successes, you had a tremendous amount of early success and you've had a tremendous amount of success all throughout your professional career as well. So I was able to watch you grow up as a young man and now into an adult and as, as a professional athlete, and I've been quite impressed with your success. Oh, man, it, you know, through the amateur boxing, you know, my first fight, I was on a Star Telegram in Fort Worth. They had me on the, on the cover of it on, for the sports section picture of this little bitty skinny little scrawny white boy on there throwing some punches and that, i lost the fight i was it was my first fight fighting a guy was, uh, his name was tony terry i never forget it i lost the fight. his name was tony terry but he was a little bit bigger than me had more fights than me but uh, we had round of the night we were fighting on the championship night for the for in the finals of the fort worth golden gloves at the will rogers coliseum we had round of the night. I always thought that was kind of neat my very first fight they had me on the star telegram that's but, cool uh, yeah, yeah it was, was kind of cool <laughs> But, yeah, the Rock Dog Reporter really did. They showcased me through a lot of my fights in the amateurs. You know, I finished my amateur career at, like, 108 and 20 on the USA team. Wow. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Amateurs was a ton of fun. One, yeah. one thing that I just just from seeing your success from afar and now seeing your interviews and then meeting you and talking, we've talked some this morning, and uh, you're very successful, been very successful, but you're very humble, but you're very driven. You find a balance there where you can you can take you can take that that confidence you got to have, but you stay humble. You stay you stay true to your family and your and it's it's just it's been neat to kind of see you be able to do that. Oh yeah, well you got to remember something in boxing. Anything can happen. You know, it's not football. It's not anything else. You can't be winning the whole game just blowing somebody out and then losing the last second. In boxing, yeah. you can. I never it's thought about like that. that. That's a, that's a, yeah. any, any given moment. It might be over for you, yep. you know, as far as boxing goes. And so that's something I always remember is, uh, you know, hold your celebrations and uh, stay calm, stay relaxed, stay focused. And uh, sometimes it works out better than others. Man, how many times we've seen in sporting events that someone starts celebrating before it's over? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Man, that, that is that's probably one thing that, that – that, that's Most a good. People, that's uh, a good lesson. That's a good lesson for our uh, up and coming young athletes that their parents may be listening to this. Uh, and don't celebrate before you cross the victory line, right? No, it's got to be done. You got to earn it, and you got to love it, and you got to. Then you can kind of realize what you just did. Sure. After it's already happened, it's funny. It's like it doesn't even hit you right away. 
I'll finish after I win a fight, a good fight or something, you know. And I'll leave. We'll go hang out at night. And then next day I'll wake up. And I'll wake up the next morning. And that's when I always realize it, you know, what kind of happened. Yeah. Even, even after all the fights, that's that's whenever I kind of wake up. I, mainly because I'm in a hotel room. Next morning I'm in the bed. I got my, my two little boys in the bed with me. My wife's in the, always going to be in the other bed, and I got both my little boys in the same bed with me. Right. Just, I'm getting kicked all night anyways. I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> it went I'm, from a fight to getting beat up yeah, after the fight, right? That's right. I, probably don't, I probably don't get into bed probably till a little after three anyways from hanging out with everybody. And uh, But it's funny. You wake up the next morning, and you realize you know how, how blessed you are and how grateful you are. Grateful and... Uh, it's just a little bit different, you know. Yeah. It's just a little different. Well, you mentioned something uh, earlier when, when Ward kind of got you going uh, about your mm-hmm. house burning down uh, when you were in fifth grade, sixth grade, somewhere yeah. in that, that time frame. And, I, and I've read some stuff about that and how it kind of really changed changed you as a person going through that. You want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, it was pretty different, you know. We were in Houston. My, uh, my, my cousins was having brain surgery. And so we were in Houston – Staying down there with, with them during all this time, and uh, we get the call or whatever the next morning. Our house burned down. And immediate my everyone's response. My mom visibly upset, you know, crying. All of her stuffs in the house. <coughs> my sisters visibly upset. They're crying. Their stuffs in the house. My brother's like, don't care, you know. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I left my football in the living room. It got burned up, you know. I'm a, I'm a little kid. Right. And my dad, of course, he's just my dad all the time. And uh, he's visibly upset, but he's not extremely upset at all. He's always calm and stays. He's, he's, he's the calm of the family by far. Yeah. We get back, and we're staying in a hotel. You know, we don't have anything. No, We don't have clothes. Just, just the clothes we took with us. That's all we got. And so... At first, it's kind of cool. You little kid, you know, you're staying in a hotel. We're getting to go to the swimming pool. I'm like, yeah, I get used go. to this, you know. We just yeah. keep this up. You know, we change somewhere, you know, every week. And we get to school. And looking back on it is what's different. At, in the moment, it was it was weird. But I walk in, and you got all these kids that I go to school with just giving me money from their parents and stuff like that. And yeah. Just all these. I'm talking about I'm in fifth grade. And just giving me all this money and all this stuff. And it was just so different, so so surreal. Having people that you don't really know, their parents and stuff, care about you, you right. know. That's that's interesting you say that because that's something we talk about a lot on our podcast, and usually we mm-hmm. end with that. But we talk about being good to your neighbor, yeah, and, and helping your neighbor out. And if you have differences with your neighbor, solve them and move on. Life's yeah. easier. Life's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life's, it's life's simple. We just make it hard. That's true. <laughs> hey, that's a fact. You, we we visited obviously a little bit before we started this broadcast, and, and you talked about one of the things your, your dad taught you as a kid. If, if you're going to get in a fight, you know you want you didn't say it like this, but you said be the one to throw that first punch, right? Yeah. Somebody's coming over to you, and you you even think they're going to hit you, get that first punch that's in. Right. Daddy always told us, don't you ever let nobody hit you first. That's the whole fight, you know. Of course, yeah. we're not talking about in boxing. But uh, he said, that's the whole fight right there. That can, that can be it, and it can be over. Just one punch. Don't you ever let anybody hit you first. And you had a few uh, – have you had a few uh, unscheduled, non-professional fights growing up? You know, I, I had about a million growing <laughs> up, you know, up until the time I was about 17 years old. And uh, I got in fights all the time. I'm talking about all the time. And I lived in Cameron. We went to school in Cameron. I was in ISS most, most of the time. You know, I, I think like a few weeks out of the year I wasn't, but I was in, <laughs> I was in fights all the time. But not, not for any reason but the fact that 
I wasn't going to be bullied. I wasn't going to be picked yeah. on. And that's, that's something I think always needs to be addressed is the only way to deal with bullies is to fight, is to stand up for yourself. Sometimes you got to give violence a try. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not always the answer, 100%, but a lot of times it is. Now, I would think, you know, I consider myself a fairly intelligent guy. If I see this young man on the playground whipping everybody else's you-know-what, I'm pretty sure I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> you would think so, but there's always that guy. There's always that guy, right? Lacking intelligence is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so what What was your what's, – what's probably the biggest non-scheduled fight that you can remember that has, has stayed in your mind? Is there one that, that really resonates? Well, and we, we didn't ask this question you know, a couple of weeks ago, so we're not going to miss it this week. Right, and we got yeah. some uh, from feedback from our audience. We wanted to hear about that unscheduled fight. As an, as an adult, I try to I try to stay away from, from getting in fights as much as I can because sure. people don't realize that a real fight can be real dangerous. But at the same time, I think I got in a fight. Uh, I was probably 17 or 18 years old. I was running at the boxing gym. I was actually – I was running. We were running – we had a boxing gym in Cameron downtown where the old Longhorn Bar used to be. And I was running down to the river, down by the water water treatment plant. And uh, on the way back, there was a kid there who said I had tried to kick his dog. And I told him, I didn't kick your dog, whatever. And he, <laughs> and he tried to fight me in the street. And uh, I knocked him down. He got up. I knocked him down again. And he got up. And I knocked him down a third time. And he crawled into his yard. And he's got blood covered his face, his <laughs> eyes cut, and he's just Goodness. like he is jacked up. Looking. Yeah, and it's funny because I just I just keep on running, just running all the way back to the gym. And I get back to the gym, I got blood on my hands, blood on my shorts. My dad said, "What happened? You okay?" I said, "It ain't my blood." He said, "Okay, go wash it off." <laughs> didn't ask nothing else. He didn't ask anything else. No other questions. Go wash huh? it off right now. <laughs> and uh, the only reason I remember that one real well is because that kid's mama actually called the cops and told him that. And told the cops that a whole bunch of kids beat it, beat her son up. <laughs> it just turned out to be me. It was a whole bunch of punches that beat her son. <laughs> it, it, it turned out to be me. Just looked like a bunch of people got yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the reason I remember that. I can't make it up, can you? You cannot make it up, baby. So let's, uh, Super Doc. You want to roll out of the uh, the childhood into the professional yeah, career and yeah, talk about what uh, boxing is it agency association that you box under and. Well, as a professional fighter, it's kind of like you have all these associations, and they make up different parts of boxing. But really, you can go. It's not like MMA, UFC. You got different, you know, actual things you can actually fight in. For me, boxing is just one sport. You know, you're gonna right. fight in boxing the whole thing, the whole association. It doesn't matter if it's for the WBA title, the WBO. You know, you don't have to fight fighters just in that organization. You okay. can fight all the way across the board. Okay. Right. So. So at some point you're you're learning in Waco, Texas, mm-hmm. and you show enough promise. It's time to move to a bigger gym. Yeah, so I'm training in Waco Boxing Club, and I, I'm a uh, boxing there, and it's kind of hit and miss sometimes. There, we're also we're about an hour away. You know, my dad's been with me the whole time. My dad's been with us the whole time, and so I'm training, I'm boxing, I'm fighting. I do show a lot of promise mainly for my toughness, essentially. You know, I like to fight. I remember my third fight, we were fighting at the Games of Texas in Round Rock, and they, were, they weren't going to let me fight because I only had three fights, and my opponent had like 35 fights. And there was a, you know, you have an open, an elite, and novice kind of, a, kind of a range. After 10 fights, you become open or elite. And under, you know, you fight anybody, but under 10 fights, you only fight people with the under 10 fights. 
And I remember they were talking about not letting me fight because I only had three fights. Wow. And they weren't going to let me fight this guy. And I remember I was out in the parking lot with all these fighters at Waco Boxing Club, and I'm throwing a fit. I mean, throwing a fit, not crying, but just like, you know, throwing a fit about them not letting me fight and trying to fight the kid in the parking lot. And <laughs> I want to fight, and I want to do this, and, and all that. End up, end up fighting. I end up losing, but it was a real good fight anyways. It was fun. I was glad I did it. But, uh, you know, there's a, growing up from that point on, it was a little bit different for me. You know, after that fight, a little third fight, and I was fighting guy 30 fights. And, and then, you, you know, boxing fights are different than just street fights. Sure. I've, been in, I've been in a million just regular <clears throat> fights in school and growing up and stuff, but completely different when you fight somebody that wants to be in a fight with you too, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And he's trained for it. And so uh, he's thought about beating you up every day. And so it's a little bit different. But growing up into that, we switched back. My dad trained me a bunch back home. I went and trained with a with trainer out of Carlos, Texas, mm-hmm. named Daryl Sears. I went and trained with the with the great Kenny Weldon, who's passed on now. He's probably one of the best amateur trainers ever and uh, really taught me a ton. From that point, at 16 years old, working with Kenny Weldon on, everything was different. It was easy. Yeah. Boxing so, was easy. Instead of instead of the fighting, the brawling, just the tough man kind of contest right, I was in. yeah. It was uh, it was easy. Do you go back and, and and look at some of your early fights, professional fights, to see how much you've transformed to now? The way I look at it is, I'll go back and I look at those early fights. And say, man, I'd beat the hell out of myself now. Exactly. Said, oh yeah, like I where said, I where I'd, I was to yeah, where I've come. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. Be, I'd beat the hell out of that guy. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's that guy wouldn't stand a chance with me now. That's an interesting know? fact because it's, it's me. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fighting myself. So you talked about being angry in the parking lot. <laughs> so I've got a daughter that's got red hair. Yeah. And uh, and I know how when things don't go quite her way, how her temper can seem to uh, elevate. Yeah. Would you say that 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 you you carry some of those traits? Well, you know, I do. I've, I've uh, my my temper has always been a problem for me as a kid. Growing up, it was um, not not crazy or anything, but uh, it definitely definitely gets me going and i think the red hair has an has an effect i i, I agree 100 percent. i really do think that and, and i don't know i think there's more to it than just the red hair i think it's the way people look at you as a kid and, i agree and how they treat you it and, molds you and it does yeah it does, i agree with that but it does have something to do with the temper too yeah <laughs> but, so talking about that temper that you said you had you've had i i assume you've had to learn to adapt and manage that temper in your professional boxing career from a, a outsider's point of view i would think if you were to let that temper get the best of you in the ring then you begin to expose yourself at a different level from i'm fighting because i'm having a temper tantrum or whatever yeah. and maybe some of the professional tactics go is is that a fact run or is oh, it of course you, you never want to get mad in the ring okay you know it's, it's always that, that's a very dangerous thing to do um you know really in boxing i've never really had a temper inside the ring it's always kind of been different now every now and then you'll get this thing called macho you'll get macho every now and then and as kenny weldon told me it'll get you killed being macho gets you killed listening to the crowd will get you killed ah oh yeah and uh he's right you know Yep. And it's funny, every now and then you, you catch yourself doing something like that. Like, you are you know, you feel like a man. You're tough. And you get hit hard. You're fine. But you, you know, you kind of show it, I guess, in a different way. I guess it's just kind of kind of the animal in you coming out is, is the way I see it. That, uh, 
the comment you made listening to the crowd to get you killed uh, raised a question for me. And, you know, so as compared to a fight you would have had a year ago, two years ago, going back, uh, your most recent fight was during the COVID-19 mm-hmm. uh, pandemic and no crowd, no, right? We, we, had, we had some crowd at the actual fight. How does that change? How does that change? Now, I think I just answered the question for myself because as a boxer, professional boxer, you don't want to listen to the crowd. Is that better for you as a professional no. boxer or is it? Not with- really because everybody's different. You know, I kind of feed off the crowd. I feed off of people. I feel like um, kind of like George Strait. I feel like in this song, I'm a showman. That's what I feel like when I'm up there. I'm not just a fighter. I'm not just an athlete. I feel like I'm a showman. I'm putting on a, I'm putting on a show. Yeah. I'm showing my skills to the people. And sure. it's, it's one thing to be on TV. You know, I know I'm on TV, but there's no crowd there. It's different. You know, you can't yeah. really get into it. Right. But with the people there, you get into it. It's just the feeling of it and everything, and it's the excitement. You feel like performing. It's a performance thing where you feel like you can really perform in front of people. So when you talk about that, it's not a visual thing. It is a ear. It, you can hear it. That's right. It's not visual because you're, right. you're blocked. You're zoned in. But the energy that feeds in yeah. off of the crowd is yeah. what drives you. That's right. And, it, and, and as far as seeing, what, what I see in the ring I'm in a ring. I'm in a lit-up ring. It's light. And everywhere outside of this square circle we're in is pitch black. Uh-huh. I don't see nothing. Yeah. Kind of like being but on stage like George Strait. It's right? the exact same thing as being on stage. I don't see anything. Nothing. Now, when I'm walking back to my corner, I find my mama. There you go. Every fight. Oh, I yeah. do it. I find my mama. And I can look at her walking back to my fight, and I can usually tell how the fight's going. By the look on your mom's <laughs> the, face, right? The look on her face. Yeah. The look on her face, how she's acting, how she's feeling, you know. she's all, But she's always the same as well. She's always smiling. She'll give me a thumb up or something, you yeah. know. You know, keep it up or she'll tell me, pick your hands up, you know, or throw the jab. You know, she. I can hear that. And i tell you one thing I can hear in the fight. Use your jab. Use your jab. <laughs> hey, you can always hear mama. You can you always know. pick out that distinct voice, right? I feel like telling my mama, he shot back, tell him to put his hands down. <laughs> tell him, Give know. him some advice. That's right. Tell him to put his <laughs> hands down. Some bad advice. That's right. That's a fact. Oh, man. That's, that's you can't make it up. I can't make it up, can you? I've always had a question. I don't even know if they do this anymore. What is that uh, device that they rub on a boxer? Is that a cold thing to reduce swelling? That- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They use that all the time. It's like uh, what it is. It's an in-swell, and it's cold. You keep it, they, can't, they have it on ice, and they don't just rub it on your face to, to keep the swelling down. They're pressing. They're pressing very hard also at the same time to get that the cold deep down in your face. Oh, that's got to be wonderful. a lot wonderful. of time, yeah, if you're hurting, it is. Yeah, you got a big <laughs> so, old bruise on your yeah, chin. Yeah, it is. You know, sometimes you get these air pockets, right? So if you get hit hard, it kind of like clogs a duct in your eye. And once you blow your nose, it'll blow air into your eye. And you immediately have a big puffed up swollen oh, eye yeah. full of air. And they've got to, they they'll work it. They'll push it out. They're just working it, working it down in your face. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, you don't feel pain in a fight. I, I don't. I bet not. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't feel any pain right. in Right. Your adrenaline's so high. Well, I know I'm bleeding as I see blood. Other yeah. than that, I don't you know. You don't feel it. it. I don't yeah. feel it. I'll just, feel it running down. I'll get a headbutt. I'm, I might feel it every now and then. But I got hit with the elbow a couple of fights ago, fighting Kareem Martin in, in Flint, Michigan. Hit with an elbow. Felt like I got hit in the head with a ball pin hammer. Dang. That's what it felt like. Dang. Now, it's funny because I keep fighting. All of a sudden, I see blood just running right down my face. and so, But it's different. Yep, yep. 
So, Ward, Chief mentioned a minute ago about your, uh, your, your biggest fight of your career mm -hmm. back in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. Uh, and you, uh, you went against uh, Mario. Barrios. Barrios. Right? Yep, yeah. As, uh, and he, he's the world champion right now mm -hmm. in the lightweight? Uh, well, it's going to be junior welterweight. Junior welterweight. <laughs> I knew I was going to get that wrong. That's what weight, what, what's the weight for that class? 140 right? pounds. 140 pounds max mm -hmm. weight. Maximum. Okay. And I weighed in 140.0. You were right on right it. Right on the money. Yeah. I can tell you this. For a guy, he's probably a little over 140 right now, but not much. <laughs> he's built. He's built. <laughs> he damn sure is. I can remember when I was in high school and I was 140. I didn't look like that. No, I you looked didn't. Like a you had a head little... full of curly hair and you were about as skinny as that damn microphone. You're talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly correct. Well, this guy is built, man. And, you know, I, I opened the show with him <laughs> shadow boxing up there like, Whew, boy, I'm staying down here. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so I, I went and watched the uh, interview that y'all did with Showtime mm -hmm. before the fight, and uh, and Mario spoke, and you spoke, and y'all both spoke about. I think y'all were the co-headliners for that fight. Yeah, correct. Yeah, Co-main event. And and uh, but y'all were y'all pretty much both just threw it out there y'all gonna own y'all gonna own this thing y'all y'all yeah. are gonna be the show and y'all were the show yeah speak a little bit about that well you know the way i feel as i was going into the fight um i, I have a ton of confidence of course you know as a professional athlete you better have a lot of confidence just just plain and simple as a person in life you better have some confidence in yourself as a person you know especially as an athlete because i'm about to get in a fight you know i'm fighting a guy out here on showtime pay-per-view in front of millions of people you know not maybe not in the crowd but it, everybody's going to see it and everybody's gonna be able to see it forever you know exactly. this is, this is going to be out there and so a lot of people that'll freak them out but uh, for me it's like i want to be the best dude out here i want to be better than everybody and, and that's how i feel about everything you know i want to be i'm very competitive in everything i do performing is one of them as well you know so I want to be the best guy on this card. Whenever people look back on this card, I don't want them to think about anybody else but me exactly. in my fight. I like exactly. that. I like and, that. And I killed myself in camp to get there. I killed myself to make the weight. I killed myself to do everything. And I did that. You know, I'm away from my family in camp. I'm training. I'm doing all of this. And, and I don't want it to go to waste. You know? Sure. Yeah. And, and that's a big – being away from your family is a big deal because, man – your family is a big part about everything that you do. That's a fact. Yeah, and uh, being being away from three young kids and and training, it's a it's a commitment that most people are not willing to do. Yeah, I read your your, your motto. I see you quote a lot is faith, family, and uh, faith, family, and God. I think is that God, family, and boxing. God, family, and boxing. Yeah, that's it. Thank you for that's correcting me. That's pretty close. Yeah, I was. Yeah. God, family, and boxing. Um, so talk about your family a little bit, and I'm, I'm going to ask you a pretty straightforward, simple question. What has the success you've had in your career as a professional boxer, what kind of effect has that had on your family, man, and your life, and, and just how has that affected the Cowboy Ryan Carl family? <laughs> and well, it's, uh, you know, so boxing has been our life. Since we got married, since me and my wife got married, we got married in 2013, and then right away, 
we moved to Houston in 2014 when I turned pro. You know, early 2014 I turned pro. And, uh, you know, it's affected from then, from being being a, a, a beginning of stages of my career to now. The success and the publicity and the different things like that, it's done nothing but help it because of the way I've reacted with it. You know, yeah. you can always react the bad way and ruin everything. But if you continue to be humble and act the correct way that mm-hmm. you should, it just does nothing but continue to grow and to get better. As a family, we're closer. We've got more stuff going on, of course. And so, of course, financially, boxing has been very, very good to us. Good. Um, as a family, keeping us together, being gone in camp is one hard thing to do. You know, my wife, she's tough. She is tough. Cause she's she's got to be to raise three kids I, while I'm you're telling gone. you, right? So she was this last time. She was pregnant with her third, <laughs> and she's got my my oldest boy six, and my youngest boy just turned two in November. So he was he was one slash two, and he's he was in them terrible twos about a year ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and she's at home. She's at home with both of these boys and pregnant and doing all this, keeping up with it, keeping up with it. She's tough, you know. Yeah. And for me. Camp is one thing. Camp is hard. Don't get me wrong, but she's tough. Dealing with that, the, the mental stress on, on her was, was very great. I think that in most families, the wife is the anchor that keeps it all together. I know uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a, true with my family they, for sure. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. so I mean, they just, you know, they're just, man, they just do whatever it takes to make it happen. It's it's really it's really amazing. Oh know? yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. She's she's very strong and she's very headstrong too. Yeah, she keep you she in wants check. Her way, she keep you in check. Yeah, she tries. <laughs> she can punch too. I tell you what, she hit me in the stomach yesterday. I remember I was playing around with her. She punched me. I wasn't paying attention. She almost dropped me. <laughs> she me knocked, the, knocked the air out of me. I said, "Woman." I said, oh, I just, she's funny. She's oh, I barely hit you. So you just stay away from me. Exactly you just, right. You just, you just stay away from me. So that could be one of the one of the bad things about being a boxer that your wife thinks that she just takes shots right. at you every now and then. Take those, just absorb that shot and that, go on. Consider it training, right? Preparation. That's right. That's, right. that's a fact. She always tells me she goes, ah, "I barely hit you. You're used to being hit anyway." So well, I don't like it. Yeah, it doesn't mean I like I it. I don't like it. I mean, it's kind of part of the job. It's going to happen eventually, but you know. I don't like it. It's not something I want my wife to just beat me up all the time. You know, I sat uh, behind you and your wife, and I, I think you had one of your sons with you. It was about three or four years ago at a wedding out at the Cowboy Church. And uh, I forget who it was getting married, but my wife and I were sitting right behind you. And I didn't realize who you were when I, when I first sat down. And I sat there for a little bit, and I thought, Damn, that's Cowboy Carl sitting in front of me. <laughs> I was a little starstruck. I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, I think I tapped you on the shoulder and said hello. And you, you're obviously very cordial and spoke and probably didn't know who the hell I was or care anyway, right? You know, but uh, he still doesn't. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was a little. I know who uh, he is now. <laughs> no, the chief. Yeah. The chief. The chief. I was a little starstruck uh, by meeting you. And, you know, you have a very beautiful family. I'll tell you that. It. I appreciate uh, it. What uh, do you get a lot of requests for autographs from fans and, and things like that? Is that what, what? It's it's always it's still real weird, right? So I get a lot of stuff for autographs and for pictures and things like that, just randomly, and uh, by people that I wouldn't think that would know who I am. Yeah, and I don't ever think of it like that. Like I'm anybody different, and so that's why it always hits me different too. 
is because I'll be somewhere with friends and doing stuff, and some random person asks me for something, and I'm like, almost like, I feel like they're almost making a joke. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you're not really asking me for an autograph, are you? Yeah. You know, like, and it, it, it's, it's really surreal. It's really neat. You know, kind of brings, kind of, it just changes things up for me. Well, so. when you're headlining, when you're headlining, on Showtime, yeah, people are gonna know who you are. It's oh, funny, and it's, sure. it's funny even looking back on it, and, and it's funny because they always told me that when I was doing these interviews, they're like, uh, "Well, you're on Showtime pay per view. This is where all the fighters want to be. You know, everything." And it's it's funny because I'm thinking, "Man, I'm here. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm at." I'm you here, know? and so it's a it's different. It's it's a, it's a crazy feeling. So what what's some of your hobbies? I know so you got two young boys. You got a daughter that she's. I mean, she's just a baby. Mm-hmm. So. What, what's what's your hobbies? I know I know family's big, so I'm, I'm guessing you you do a lot of things with your sons. Oh yeah, yeah, we do a lot of stuff. But my my number one hobby is going to be coon hunting. Oh boy, we uh, need to uh, introduce uh, you to Bernie Dowd. Uh, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> I, I am a coon hunter at heart, all the way through and through. If I can make money at it, I'd do it. I just I just quit and do that if I get paid. But you I, use dogs? I ain't getting paid you use dogs yeah, to yeah, trim? Yeah, so yeah. You go, okay. Yeah, I don't chase them down too often. I tell you, they're <laughs> pretty mean. I did one, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna do it twice. Bernie Bernie can catch them with a stick. Yeah, he got a method where he would he could smell them down in their hole in that tree, their den, whatever, and he would put a fork on the end of a stick and stick it down in there and start jobbing them, yeah, and twisting it, yeah, and had a method where he could pull them out and into a toe sack, yeah, all yeah. in the same motion. Yeah, I'm all right. I don't got to do that. You exactly. Know? I like the competition of, of coon hunting in the the competition world and uh, just just any kind of competition, right? And so I enjoy my dogs and I, I enjoy just going out there. It's peaceful. Going out there hunting yeah. at night and yeah. doing all this stuff, and I don't hurt, hurt or harm anything ninety nine percent of the time. Your dogs are they a purebred dog that yeah, you use yeah. to hunt I with? Hunt with blue tick, blue tick, hounds. blue tick coon dog. Okay, got, got my main dog. His name is Pride, and he's done, he's done me pretty good so far. How many dogs do you have? I probably got about four or five. Four or five coon hunting mm-hmm. dogs. Yeah. Are they all are they all trained up to the same caliber? Well, trained up in the same caliber, two different things, you know. I can try to do the training. It's kind of like a fighter. You can you can give a certain person all the training in the world, and he'll never make it. He don't got the he don't have the right tools right. to start with. And then you got one of them. You can give half the training, and he's better than everybody. And so you know, I've got my pride dog. He's the best dog I've got. Best dog I've probably ever had. And so uh, then I've got dogs that you know aren't nowhere near close to what he is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's uh, that's an interesting analogy you just shared with us there. I I didn't think about like that (laughs) training and and uh, it's different two things, right? Give everybody the training. They don't have the skill set to develop it, and it's nothing really. It's nothing to them. You you have people out there that you could put in the gym, the best gym in the world, the best trainers, with everything they need, and they will never succeed. They might never win a fight. And you can take a kid from nothing and put him with somebody just natural, just pure natural talent, put him in the ring, and he beat half the guys, you yeah. know, with no training. Yeah. And it's just, it really just comes down to just being a natural. Now, that all comes before, in my opinion, before training. You know, you, you have to have that. If you don't have all these tools to start with, you don't have the right kind of mind, you don't have the right kind of focus, you don't have the right kind of, you know, just you're just not really that physically athletic. You're probably going to have trouble being a professional boxer. No doubt. You know, you'll be difficult doing anything good. That's right. That's right. But but sure. 
yep. physically, but you can always find something you're good at anyways. And so, but people need to realize that sometimes boxing ain't for them. Right. And, and it's not a sport you want to do if you're not very good at it. Have you ever got in the ring with an opponent and right away you could tell this guy's not very good? All the time. Really? You can get in the ring with anybody. You can get in the ring with people and you can just, it's, it's like a hand-eye coordination thing. It's just uh, being around them, they're, they're, the way they move in the ring. So when you realize that, what's the mentality? Like, okay, I, I'm going after this guy. Uh, uh, you're always 100%. I don't mean to say that. But does the mentality or the fight plan change at that point when you realize you've got a weaker opponent? Does the attack change? Always. Everything changes in the ring. And that, that's what makes a good fighter, too, is being able to change in the moment right then. No, you don't have to. You don't want to have to wait until the round's over to come back to your corner to tell you to change, right? And then go out there and change the next round because they right. might be changing the next round as well. Exactly. You got to be changed right then on the spot, and uh, but yeah, everything changes. Everything you see, you see things. That, that's the whole thing. It's funny. It's like I, I see dead people. No, but it's like I see things. You know, when I'm fighting, uh-huh. I see this guy. It's like he throws his jab, and I see the way he brings it back, and I see him do it twice. I see him do it three times. I'm like, this guy. This is that's a bad idea. You know? So you're really studying. I, I better hit this guy with this right hand right now. Next time he does it. And it's it's funny because it's like he does it, and you don't even realize what you're doing. It's just natural instinct, muscle memory. Boom, you've already hit him. Right. And it's already in, in. you're just following off your last thing. It's just like everything is in the moment right then happening. You don't have time to think about anything to an extent. Has uh, our world, the way it's grown, in, in social media and, and electronics and our, our computer generation and all that, has that changed the way boxers prepare for, for a fight in regards to analyzing their opponent? That's considered a 20 years ago, right? I, I would. Well, I'm sure some some it has for some people. You know, kind of. I, I, I train with Ronnie Shields. I got an old school trainer. I trained with Kenny Weldon before he passed, and he's a real old school trainer. This old school kind of people. It hasn't changed much, you know, as far as it goes for them. Yeah. But the workouts and, and the things like that, they're coming up with all these new workouts and um, these new machines and all those kind of things like that for preparing your body for the fight. That's definitely changed, you know, from going from doing push-ups, sit-ups, running, hitting the bags, essentially, right? Right. You're hitting all the bags and sparring. Now it goes to you're doing all these specialized workouts for these you know these individual muscles you've got everybody's getting massages and they're um you know they're doing all they're relaxing they're doing yoga they're doing all these different kinds of things now and, and they might help a lot of fighters you know sure. but yep. those things have changed but as far as the actual mental game of boxing i don't think so right so you have 12 knockouts in your professional career correct i think so pretty sure yeah. Uh, but so to me, watching boxing back in the day to now, I don't know that in, in the weight group that you're in, that there was that many knockouts like there are now. And I think that would be a transition of how people work out and, and have got stronger. Oh, yeah. Correct? No, no, I, I agree on that. People have gotten stronger. And the workouts, as like I was saying, is they're doing different individ, individualized muscle workout groups and stuff like that. And so people are getting stronger, though, you know, and so that's making a big difference as far as the knockouts go, in my opinion. So back in the day, the VFW on Friday nights, ESPN had Friday night fights. Uh-huh. And we would go, a group of us would go up there and 
drink a few cold beers, and we would bet on every fight against each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was it, it was just something fun to do. And but that's so I really got into boxing by doing that, watching it. Uh, not into doing it. I ain't interested in that. <laughs> but, but, but it is it is it is a good sport to 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 bet on. It is a good sport to watch, and it, because it gives you something to cheer for. You know, mm -hmm. somebody's coming to fight, but but you would see the lighter weight groups, and there was never a knockout hardly ever. I mean, yeah. they just get in there. But one thing about it, you don't get six or seven rounds. They they wouldn't go you know ten or twelve back then, but they would go six or seven rounds. And they're going to box the whole time, and they're going yeah. to be—it's going to be—they're going to be boxing. They're not going to be yeah. standing around and and leaning on each other like the big heavyweight guys. Yeah. They're going to go at it, and yeah. uh, that's one thing that I, that I, I guess the biggest thing I've noticed is now it's more that that y'all are doing more of what the heavyweights did as far as is is knocking people out, but you ain't rubbing, you ain't leaning, you're you're fighting the whole time, and it's yeah. entertaining. Yeah, well, a lot of that goes back to also, um, you know, there's still a lot of fighters like that. They're just not getting a TV fight because of their, their excitement level, you know. That's right. one thing about me that I've always told everybody. I'm excited. You're going to enjoy my fight either way. Win or lose, you're going to be satisfied. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to have a good time watching me fight. And that's kind of my mentality as well. You know, I, I like to fight, and I like to fight too much. If I if I could if I could just pull it back just a little bit, you know, just just pull back a little bit to my boxing, it would be a lot better. You know, I would do better, but being macho, you know, listen to the crowd it gets you killed. Uh, get you killed, yeah. That, get you killed. yeah I remember that comment. But it, but it is but it is fun. It yep. is fun. I just like to fight. It's just something I like to do. I I don't really, you know, know why or right. anything. It's just kind of a I guess it's just a personality thing. Is there, uh, you know, when I think about some of the great fighters that I watched growing up as a kid, I think about Sugar Ray Leonard mm -hmm. and, and his fights with, uh, was it Thomas Hitman Hearns? Yeah, Tommy and, Hearns. Yeah, Tommy Hearns. And, and uh, there was a Hispanic guy that was a real – Roberto Duran. Yeah, Roberto Duran. You're looking back at those and, and you being a professional boxer, are there any of those guys from back in the old days that you look at and kind of an icon to you? I love watching Sugar Ray Leonard fight. Oh Huge yeah, fan of Sugar Ray Leonard fighting. Just uh, I love my as a kid growing up. I thought he was the best fighter of all time. Yeah, I did. I really did. Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, I just really enjoyed watching him fight. And uh, you know, Tommy Hearns, long and tall. He hit you from he hit you from two rings over. He got his arms are so long. <laughs> you know, he could fight too, and he was tough. He really was tough. You got you know Marvin Hagler and guys like that. I love watching those. Everybody fight. You know, you know who actually my favorite fighter was as a kid growing up was uh, Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hitman Hatton is a is a British fighter in the UK, and uh, he was like forty and know or something like that. But he could fight, and he was exciting through a lot of body punches, and he was yeah. a rough and tough kind of fighter. And uh, it's just kind of something I leaned towards, I guess, even as a child. Yeah. But uh, I was told Dad I liked the wars, those guys that were in wars. You know, the oh yeah, Barreras and all those guys, Morales and stuff like that. And so, do you know? You know, talking about. Sugar Ray and, and Hearns and Hagler. Do you know if any of those guys have ever come to any of your fights? Well, I've, I've met uh, Hearns and, and guys like that. And, uh, you know, uh, Ray, Boo Boo, Mancini and all those guys. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah I've, I've met all those guys like that and stuff. And I, I'm sure a lot of them have been to fights that I just don't really pay right. attention to. Yeah. A lot of times, to be honest Well, with that's you, definitely not your focus. When, when I'm done <laughs> fighting, when I'm out of the ring, I'm 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 a people's person. I, I'm around all the people, all the fans. Even after my last fight, 
after the fight, uh, they won't let you go in the crowd because of COVID. So they, they usher you back to your changing room and they usher you back to the hotel and you can't go anywhere. And if you do get out of away from the security guards that are with you, they won't let you back to your room to get your stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, because we we're on a special floor where no, no, no one else can be. Right. And so I go back up, me and my dad do. We go back and go to our room and I grab all our stuff and we sneak down the elevator. And we go back out, and I take all my stuff to my wife's room because she had a room. And I'm downstairs, and the whole hotel is just packed. And I'm down there. They're trying to get me out to go eat somewhere. And it takes them about an hour just to get me to the door. And I'm talking about 40 feet because I'm talking to everybody. I'm taking <laughs> pictures. People are buying you beers. And it's just like you're hanging around. you got everybody there, and it's just such a surreal moment. But, you, you know, after fights in general, not even including this one, but usually I'm gone. I'm out of here. I've boxed. I've done my fight. I don't watch fights after my fight. I don't go do anything besides go hang out and talk to people. Right. You know. Yep. When I hear that, I I I, I hear the joy in your voice. I of, caught of, that too. Of, of going and actually connecting with the fans. Yeah. And you're doing it for them. You're doing it for you and your family. But you're also. Do, I mean, that's you're, right. You're, you, you get it. And you understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it's all about and and i like to see that that he's he's taking the time because hey this is not going to go on forever right that's a fact nothing goes on forever so enjoy the moment i I love it man that's a great comment you made there doc and that raises a question for me cowboy what's your uh what's the lifespan so to speak age span i should say uh, of a professional boxer is there like okay you get to 40 years of age you're pretty much done because you get to 40 you're an old man <clears throat> yeah you're you're an old man 40 years old and you're boxing manny pacquiao he's a super freak you know he's what 41 42 right it's insane 35 to 38 is kind of the end of the road for most boxers top boxers now you got guys that still do stuff that aren't top boxers you know that's different you know but top competing against the best you're fighting 25 year olds you know, 24-year-olds, and you're at, at a 36, 35-year-old man, you're going you're going way past now. You're over, and you're coming on your way back down. Right, and yeah. So, really, a lot of fighters don't know when to quit. They got to, you know, kind of, it's, it's bad for them. Sure. Well, and you so, know, that's not in their DNA to quit, right? That's right, that's right. And they don't know when to, and so it's hard for them. They love it so much, just like I love it. But everything, everything must come to an end. Yep. So... As we kind of start to wrap this interview up, man, we really appreciate you coming in studio, man. It's been fun. Uh, what does the future hold? I mean, I know you're trying to get some fights right now. I wanted the rematch of Mario Barrios. He turned me down. Uh, accepted a fight with Omar Figueroa Jr. He turned me down. I think he's fighting Abel Ramos now. Um, really, for me, I'd like to. I'd like to fight Adrian Broner. I'd like to fight guys like that. Um, try to get me a fight, essentially, with somebody without turning me down right you know on a decent platform that's uh that's that's got to be a little bit of uh respect being shown when they turn you down it is but it's frustrating it's very frustrating (laughs) i just want to fight i just want to fight my name's ryan carl and i have a problem exactly i need a fight i need a fight (laughs) that's pretty good you know I love it, man. Oh, man. So so we should see something coming out and hopefully in the next few months of uh, of a fight on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, in reality, within uh, within the next three weeks, I would expect to have something cool. on the schedule. So 
You would go into training. How long were you trained for a fight? Eight to ten weeks. Eight to ten weeks. And it's different. You got pre-camp, and then you got camp. You know? Right. Uh, it makes you mean. <laughs> camp does. Camp Camp makes you mean. You don't have any patience. You just get agitated at everything. You're coming down in weight. You're training three times a day. You're eating, you know, 1,000, 1,400 calories on a good day, but mainly about 1,000, 800,000 calories a day. And because you're getting your weight right, you're getting everything just right, and it's like you just mad. You're just mad at everything. Yeah, I can imagine so. You, you get that way, and you're sparring all the time. You're fighting, and uh, you're away from home. You don't get the luxuries of being home with your children. And uh, while, while it is fun to be away from your wife sometimes and get away from the, the griping sometimes, you miss it. You know, I can imagine so. You miss it. You yeah. miss it a lot, and so yep. uh, it makes you mean that being in camp does. Hey, so uh, – what do you think about that strawberry chocolate stout from the Texas Beer Company you know, that you've been I was, enjoying I was throughout just this a, interview? Yeah, I was just thinking of drinking it. I was actually about to say something. It's delicious. And, and Good I mean to know. It, and I really do mean it. Like, I would have another. Awesome. Awesome. So, yep, that's our sponsor, the Texas Beer Company in Taylor, Taylor, Texas. Yep, yep. 102 North Main. I'm going to tell you, Cowboy Carl, this has been fun. No, had a good time. I hope you have enjoyed uh, us interviewing you as much as I've enjoyed, and I know I can speak for Super Doc here as well, is you giving us the opportunity to interview you. Oh, man, I had a blast. Uh, I think the interview interview was almost as good as this uh, strawberry chocolate. Yeah, that's that's pretty here. good, boy. We know we're up there now. Almost. <laughs> I like that. It was close. I like that. We're still learning, but they know what they're doing at Texas Beer Company. Yeah, we're still yeah, we're we're, steep we learning. Got, we about got it figured <laughs> out. They're professionals, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, goodness. Oh, uh, you know, as we always close with, uh, Super Doc, you got good neighbors around you. I got good neighbors around me, I'm sure – Cowboy's got good neighbors around him as well. And, uh, man, I encourage all our listening audience out there, just be nice to your neighbor. Or like I always say, grab an extra beer out of the fridge and go visit your neighbor and ask them how they're doing and if you could do something to help them out today. That's right. It never hurts to lend a helping hand to somebody. You know, I always taught my daughters a philosophy growing up, and I still tell them this this day, is never pass up the opportunity to help somebody out. That's it. Never pat because you never know when you may be that person that needs help. Never know what somebody's going through. That's correct. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Man, we appreciate you coming in, Cowboy Ryan Carl. Amen, brother. Thank you. Man, Good luck in it, your next fight. We'll be watching you. Appreciate uh, it. For sure. Hey, folks, we're out. We love you. Thank you for listening. We gone. Peace.